Before we begin, I just want to thank everyone for their support of Ross Rifles, my project that I currently have on Kickstarter. If you don't know, Ross Rifles is a trench warfare RPG set on the Canadian front line of the Western Front. Ross Rifles focuses on using heroic, tragic, and violent adult drama to tell war stories from the perspective of individual Canadian soldiers and their comrades. It's still on Kickstarter right now. The campaign ends on November 4th, so I would be incredibly grateful if you could lend your support to it or just spread the word. Uh, We're very close to our our second last stretch goal, and we've got one more after that. Um, So please check out Ross Rifles on Kickstarter, and if you already have, thank you so very much. Hello and welcome to a post-Big Bad Con episode of Asians Represent. For those of you who are new, this is what we're all about. You know, myself and my co-hosts Agatha Chang and Amar Ijaz, we explore cultural stereotypes in games new and old and how we can overcome them to make the gaming industry a more equitable place by talking to entertainers, scholars, educators, activists, and designers. And while we're doing this, we're going to be having some fun. Now, this isn't just a discussion-based show. Uh, We have actual play content like our Masks New Shambhala miniseries and our ongoing Dungeons and Asians campaign. But most importantly, one of the things we're doing on Asians Represent is highlighting the contributions of a new generation of Asian creators who are making the gaming market a place we feel represented. Their creations and unique experiences play a transformative role in turning the gaming scene into a place we can love and trust again. And that's what I kind of want to talk about with Big Bad Con, uh, because Big Bad Con kind of felt like this synthesis of everything that we're looking for with Asians Represent. And I had such a fantastic time there. And over the next coming weeks, I'm going to be posting a lot of content we recorded there. But today is all about two designers, two designers that I want to get into. Uh, But before that, I kind of want to do a, a brief overview of my personal experience at Big Bad Con. Uh, It was my first time at the convention, and it certainly won't be my last. And I wanted to start with something that, you know, was very, very personal to me, and that's the Babylon Equity Project. Uh, So the Babylon Equity Project uh, was founded by DC, who, uh, Dungeon Commander on Twitter, who's an amazing individual, and it exists to provide marginalized people equity. And so this year, the, the Babylon Equity Project actually um, helped 33 people of color come to Big Bad Con with, you know, the help of so many generous donors. And I want to thank all of you who donated and DC who coordinated this because I was actually one of the people who was brought to Big Bad Con through this project. So uh, I want to give back in the future, and we're going to be doing some things on Asians Represent that will help this initiative in the future. So I'm very excited. Um, DC, if you're listening to this, uh, I, will, I will be in touch with you. Um, but yeah, Babylon really, really made Big Bad Con a place where I actually felt like I belonged. I felt like I could, I saw other people who looked like me and had the same experiences as me. And, you know, that's something that I really never experienced at a convention before. I'm so used to, you know, being one of the very few Asian people at Gen Con or I'm, I'm not used to being able to share my experiences or sit down in a room like I did on the very last day of the con and play AS for Average with a whole bunch of other Asian creators and, and Carl. <laughs> um, it, was, it was 
such a great convention. And I just wanted to touch on some highlights before I got into, I get into the creators. Uh, one of the first highlights, aside from the Babylon Equity Project, was Games on Demand. And Games on Demand is something that you see at a lot of g- tabletop gaming conventions. It's a place where you could sign up to play games with others. There's, there's like room for open gaming play. But Games on Demand at Big Bad Con felt so profoundly different from any other iteration of it I'd seen at a convention. And it's because of that loner accessibility gear. This truly felt like the most inclusive version of Games on Demand I have ever seen. In their main gaming space, they actually had uh, fabric barriers between gaming tables to try to minimize sound. And they had loner accessibility gear. Uh, So this is just accessible gaming gear. So they had like extra large foam dice. They had oversized dice. They had braille dice. Um, they had dice trays, felt line dice cups. They had dice towers that actually they were 3D printed and they actually uh, spewed the dice in two directions. They had standing card holders, uh, extra fat pencils and pens, a lighted magnifying glass, which is what initially caught my attention. And of course, um, they had like uh, repurposed back scratchers that were used so that people could grab dice or, or tokens from the center of the table. Like, that is something that I really love to see at a convention because it shows that the organizers of the con really care about inclusion and accessibility. They're not just saying it, they're putting it into practice. And in addition to that, they had X cards, they had the stoplight tool, and they had handouts on, you know, script change, cut and break, open door, lines and veils, and character cards. They had these folding character cards where you could put your character name, their pronouns, and of course, your own name and your pronouns. They are double-sided so that you could place them on the table so that everybody can see them. Uh, this was just something that I, I feel needs to be at every single convention. And Big Bad Con is now the standard for me. It is quite possibly my new favorite convention. You know what? I'm just going to say it. It's my new favorite convention. Uh, I had such a good time. And I didn't even sign up for games. I was just there. I was recording Asians Represent stuff and just kind of randomly playing games with people in the lobby or finding empty rooms to play in. And with all that, you know, Big Bad Con was just so fantastic. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about that I really, really loved was the POC dinner. Uh, there was this incredible dinner that was uh, organized by the folks at Big Bad Con, and all these people of color were able to sit down at this local Chinese restaurant and talk, socialize, network. And then in addition to that, there was the POC meet and greet, which I had never been to. It was like, it was like a speed dating mixer uh, for you know, designers of color, creators of color who wanted to network in the industry. What was neat is that they actually gave us all of these POC meet and greet. Um, I guess like they, they, they were the same shape as like a birthday card. But on the inside, it said, you know, welcome Daniel Kwan. Uh, thanks for filling out the POC meet and greet pre-survey. Your survey information helped us recommend who we hope will be great connections for you. And they gave me five amazing connections. Uh, many of who I will likely have on the show. One of them, uh, Jay Lee, uh, I can't wait to have on the show because we had a fantastic talk about you know, autism, gaming, 
and parlor LARPs. I'm, as you know, I'm very, very fascinated about LARPs and sadly haven't participated in too many. But my conversation with Jay and uh, their upcoming game, which I have given to Agatha to review, uh, because Agatha's way, way more knowledgeable about LARP than I am, uh, is, is going to make for a fantastic episode. Um, yeah, that's the POC meet and greet, and it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, so for my first guest, I recorded quite a few things. Uh, I recorded two 15 to 20-minute interviews, and then I recorded a new series that I think I'm going to try to do at every single convention. It's called 15-Minute Game Jam. 15-Minute uh, Game Jam is, is an idea that I had because um, my friend Lemmy of Lucky Hand Dice and Ed, Dreaming of Light on Twitter, uh, we had gone to the Golden Gate Fortune Cookie Factory in San Francisco with our friend Joma. And on the way back to Walnut Creek, we were like, oh, well, how, can we make an RPG out of fortune cookies? And so we sat down with Sangjun, uh, who, who we had on the podcast before, Sangjun Park, and we sat down and we wrote in 15 minutes, Miss Fortune Quest, the after-dinner storytelling game. And I'm going to release this as a separate episode uh, next month, so look forward to that. Uh, but in the meantime, we're actually going to release this on our itch page. So head to aznsrepresent.itch.io and uh, give us a follow there. We're going to post the game up there. All proceeds from that game are going to go to advocacy groups or charities. Uh, this is how we're going to give back with Asians Represent. So, my f- so for my first interview, I'd like to introduce an amazing thoughtful designer named Viditya Valetti. Uh, he and I met actually uh, on the first, I guess the day before Big Bad Con started, I was at the hotel. I met up with some of my Southeast Asian designer friends and Viditya was there. And we started talking about education and gaming and how we could actually take our educations and bring that into our game design experiences and processes. We talked about The Fire That Flickers Between You, uh, a very cool game inspired by one of my favorite video games of all time, Titanfall 2, and Spellcatect, which was loosely inspired by one of my favorite mangas of all time, Full Metal Alchemist. This was an amazing interview, so please give it up for Viditya. All right, another big bad con, 15-minute interview with another awesome designer who I met at this convention. And I'm just so, so stoked about big bad con because I've met only amazing people here. Oh, yeah. And this is, is this your first big bad con? It is, yeah. Okay, same here. So we, we both met on Thursday. No, Thursday or Wednesday? Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday. We met on Wednesday. Yeah. And Viditya, you're like super cool. We had a really amazing conversation about how we can leverage our education into oh, yeah, creating yeah. games and doing things we're passionate about. So quick and dirty, two to five minutes, like what's your story? How did you get into game design? What are you doing at Big Bad Con? Okay, yeah. Uh, so quick and dirty. Uh, well, I've been doing game design for as long as I can remember. It's, uh, I mean, like as a kid, I wanted to be an artist. Um, that's kind of all I cared about. And then that art and passion for just loving games kind of got me to experiment with games, make games here and there as like board games during high school. And then I went to an art school and then uh, I was going to do illustration, but then I took a game design class and I was like, 
oh my god, I love this. I have a knack for this. Like I'm pretty good at it. Uh, and so it just kind of like evolved uh, into like me just um, doing it as like for my college education. And uh, yeah, I I mean like when I say I live and breathe games, it's like. You literally, I literally do. It, there's always something really funny, especially at a con, where it's like, well, what do you do when you aren't doing role-playing games? Like, what do you do when you're not RPGs and conning? And I'm like, I, that's all I do. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. There's, like, no other <laughs> thing so for your, me. So your education, was that in video games? Uh, well, it, or it, was that in, in, like, gaming as a generalist? It, it actually, like, the nice thing is that it is gaming in general. Like, my degree specifically says interactive arts. And I could oh. I could have changed it to game design but I, I wanted to keep it because uh, that's like that distinction is very important to me right. uh, because like I was lucky to have the resources to just try a bunch of different game designs so like I did board game design like more traditional board game design RPG design uh uh, video game design, like digital games, and then also installation work. Oh, so like cool. very physical multimedia, like a, like escape games, like that sort of yeah, genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, but then even like adding in a bunch of circuitry and buttons and like a digital component to it. Oh, uh, that's super cool. No, it, it like and a lot of these like a lot of these different experiences really do kind of uh, like work their way into almost every single form of design that I do. I should introduce you to Jade. So, so Jade is another member of the Asians Represent team, mm-hmm. and they, um, they, they work for DeepMind right now, which is a Google yeah. sort of project in the UK. But before that, Jade worked for a company in Toronto called Secret City Adventures, and they w- what they would do is they would actually create interactive gaming experiences within historical spaces. Oh, that is... I love that so much. And there, I'll, I'll introduce you online. Yeah, I know. That'd be really And great. if you have any questions or resources that, that you, you would like, and Jade will help you out. Oh, that's, that's so wonderful. Thank and you so much. Jade actually was on a team, and they actually took... So Castle Loma is this historical castle in Toronto. Uh-huh. It's more of a, like a manor. Mm-hmm. But they would actually take rooms in this historical castle and turn them into like beautiful themed escape games using what's there. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, and using really their circuitry yeah. involved, hidden walls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, that's the... So, uh, I think, like, a lot of my game design, especially now, and also, like, with RPGs and all that stuff, uh, and then my love for, like, physicality in games uh, is, like, to transform a space. Yeah. Uh, whether imaginatively or not, but it is, like, you are transforming a space and, like, you are entered... Like, you may be in, like, this reality, but you are also, like... You, you've been brought into like a manufactured one or one of your own design and I love that so much so is that a theme that's kind of gone into and bled into all of your game design this this idea of transforming spaces uh, yeah I think like underlying some things are a little less obvious or whatnot but like right. uh, I think underlying it's um, it's very important to me. Uh, I think a big reason why I'm attracted to game design uh, and RPGs and stuff like that is because of, and this might sound like very dramatic, but it's like, oh, I grew up just, you know, like watching anime and cartoons and movies and like just everything that's like, uh, like, you know, it's like, oh, there's fantasy, there's science fiction. And then I'm like, oh, I'm here in the boring world. <laughs> you know in what I mean? In the mundane. In the mundane. Uh, so, like, a lot of my work, uh, especially before, like, but, like, a lot of my work has to do with transforming the mundane, like, 
uh, it used to be kind of escapist, but then I think there's I'm moving away from that because that has like bad like yeah, of course, it's, it's saying that the your current state is. Mm-hmm. is and, yeah, exactly. So then it's like uh, that. Then it goes back into like transforming a space. So like making a space feel comfortable, giving yourself that outlet. Uh, I mean, like all of my games are uh, definitely like, I want to play this, or I want to experience this, or I want like. Of course. Well, you create games for yourself, yeah. and then for others. Entirely, yeah. Uh, That's super cool. So you you have like a couple games with you right here. At oh the yeah. Icon. Uh, I could talk about some of them. So, yeah. uh, uh, I guess like the one of the big ones was like uh, I made a game for like a sad mech jam called the Fire Flickers Between You, uh, and it like uses candles uh, as okay. its like random mechanic. Like, uh, and then it's about uh, a pilot and a mech and their mech. It's very like. Uh, Titanfall-ish. In, uh, Titanfall 2 is one of my favorite games of uh, all time. Yes. I like. I could talk about Titanfall 2 for a long time. Like, it's, I think, from, like, a narrative and a gameplay perspective. It's a beautiful game. It is, it is a yeah. perfect game. Yeah. Uh, I, like, wholeheartedly agree. So I, like, <laughs> made a game that was, like, um, you have, like, this Titan connection, but then uh, the pilot, like, like, the mission has failed. Uh, and everyone has to retreat, but like they'll die. Like there's no way that they're gonna get out. Uh, but then the pilot goes, "We'll set a distraction. We'll be a trap. Give you enough time to leave. Like the rest of the platoon to leave." Uh, and it's like the pilot is ready to die. Uh, like they are gonna die. This is a suicide mission. Right. But then the the mech uh, doesn't understand that. It's about like kind of breaking the mech's protocols to be like, "Hey, you are not just an AI. You're not just a robot. You are my friend." Uh, and I want our final moments for you to like truly transcend that moment of like, no, we are we are friends not because of like an artificial bond uh, or like a military bond or whatever, but because like that is a, uh, and then like so again like transforming the space is like I use candles because uh, I I wanted the fire there right like of you course. know you can have like you can have a metaphorical fire like uh, like there's a campfire between you and you just kind of think that but I was like. The, I think the flame is actually very important in like actually yeah. having that space. So how does the how does the flame factor into the, the mechanics of the game? Uh, well, because I only know one one other game that uses candles, and that's Ten Candles. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm like, oh, and that's like in its name. Well, uh, I specifically say to use birthday candles because they burn down. Like generic birthday candles will burn down from like you light it all the way down to just a puddle of wax in about 15 minutes. Oh, uh, so quick. Yeah. Uh, and so you're, like, placing candles, and a big thing is, like, uh, the cl- and then also it's, like, if you place them close to each other, they burn quicker because they're fires. Uh, uh, and so it's all about, like, so the game is very important to me because there's a lot of quiet because moves only happen if you choose to light a candle and place it, like, on the table uh, or if you, like, move a candle away or towards more of them. Uh, but then every time a candle goes out, it triggers, like, like the pilot is going to try and break one of the mech's protocols like right. to see if it transcended its programming uh, and, like, can love. It can very easily be, like, a very, like... I mean, it is, like, an intimate game. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's how the mechanics of the candles work is, like, you're kind of waiting for candles to burn out. Yeah. Uh, but well, that, then, that's, that's... This is your inevitable death. Yes. And then as soon as the last candle blows out, like, uh, blows out, then, like, the game ends. Uh, the enemy has arrived. So, like, there's that 
and it's an imperfect timer it's an imperfect result system so like it really could just happen whenever uh, and when I've played it and I've had people play it uh, it really does end like you have your very emotional talk and then you're just waiting you're just waiting for that final candle to blow out yeah. and then it's like boop and like and it's over it's over and you have that that, that end that yeah. calm uh it was like, I'm really glad. And it's weird. I want more people to play it and tell me their experience. But, like, you have to, like, use candles. You have to, like, kind of do this whole... It's a production. Yeah, it's a production. But it sounds super cool. I'm very, I'm very proud of it. Well, one of the things that, like, I, I think that the listener will notice when they're, when they're hearing this interview is how you're kind of... The, the way you speak about games. You, you speak about games from, the, you know, the perspective of your education and your lived experiences. Yeah. And one of the things that came up during our conversation at, you know, when we went out to get, when we Food. out to get dinner, yeah. was uh, how there are so many people who work in tabletop who aren't educated in game design, mm -hmm. and yet this space is so welcoming, and people can find success without that education. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so wonderful. Uh, I love meeting designers, and I mean, this is a majority, but it's like I love meeting designers who are just making groundbreaking, um, like beautiful works of art in game and I'm like oh and it's just like it's because that's how their mind thinks yeah. and they just have an appreciation for the craft and the art uh, I think that's what's so great about this hobby this mm -hmm. genre anybody can create yeah. a tabletop game whereas like you know video games are a little bit more difficult yeah. like you're not gonna go and make your Titanfall 2 <laughs> but you can make games there, there are ways to do it uh, like make code yeah. is one way in which you can oh, yeah, create the, interesting games. Text-based games are, text -based are games, yeah. pretty accessible to make. Uh, like Twine is a great system. I yeah. always tell people, I'm like, hey, if you want to get into video games, or if you want to just get into games, I'm like, honestly, like text-based is really great. Try Twine. You're basically just writing. Yeah, and it, and it is a, a medium and style of storytelling that pretty much all of us here at this convention are familiar with. Yeah, yeah. And so, so what else do you have here? Oh, uh, and then like kind of on this other uh, spectrum of like uh, games that like I made because I wanted to experience something uh, was Spellkitects. Okay, I uh, like the title. It's literally just uh, you are uh, you are all contracted spell architects or spellkitects for your city, uh, and it's just a game where I like. I'm like, I, uh, I love doodling. I mean, I, again, like, I came from an art school. I have, like, a very heavy art background. Like in the visual arts? Yes, in visual arts. And then it transformed into uh, game design. So right. I don't do as much visual arts now, but it's still something I, like, spent so many years of my life uh, doing. And so I just, I doodle and I draw and all this stuff. So Spellkitex is just a game where you play with your friends and you just draw these, like, weird runes. Uh or like symbols and stuff and each one is like you're like slowly crafting a uh, spell together right uh, and it's all it uses like different colors it's very like uh, I wanted to make a game that one you could play with kids very easily yeah I uh, like that on a personal level like with my own experiences mm -hmm. gaming with kids is so important it's, and it's it's really wonderful because uh, you're just like how did you even think about this like their minds work so totally different and, and so like unrestricted by this like by anxiety or, or by the fear of judgment oh entirely and then also free of like any um what's the word like uh your you have no bi like not bias but it's like you have nothing to base it off of like yeah i like like i'm, I, I'm sure this is a game design dilemma but it's like oh i want to make this game and then you go 
oh, but like this already exists or like that already exists. Yeah. But the child is all like, they're no, free. They're free. Yeah. Uh, a unicorn is what I make it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. That's so be- we, we can't do it because, oh, there's already a unicorn. Yeah. Uh, you already have that standard. It's like, um, but then like so spell context, you're like, uh, you're just like making spells and each spell, like a color is an effect, a shape is like, uh, a co- like a component or like what it is. Yeah. And then like you also have like your ritual. So like you have your component. So, uh, it gets you to like run around the room and be like, uh, this spell requires like three smartphones and you can make it like weird and game breaking. That's super cool. Or like you have to jump up and down while saying, uh, your mother's name. Uh, right. and then like, at, and it's such, such a quick game, but like it's um, it's fun and physical. It's like fun you were talking and physical, about the physicality yeah. of games. Mm-hmm, exactly, and then like you draw it on a paper together, right. and so you have like this uh, thing, and it's and it's just like yeah, that's kind of it. It's like that, silly. that's cool. Like because immediately when you're describing it, I, I thought of two things. A, I first thought of like Harry Potter. Yeah. And B, I thought of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, entirely. <laughs> Is, was that one of the inspirations? Like, I was yeah. thinking of the alchemical, like, symbols that they were doing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I wear my influences on my sleeve. Like, I'm just like, hey. It's what? FMA. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's like, again, I was like, I wanted to make Titanfall 2, but, like, an emotional experience. Yeah. I, uh, I love the alchemical illustrations and circles and diagrams uh, in FMA. So, like, what if you could just do that? Like, yeah. what if, here's, like, an ex- I, it, it goes back to like I make games as an excuse to do things uh, <laughs> yeah to engage with your passions mm-hmm. yeah a, a game that I made uh, that's not online or anything you can see it on my website though but uh, I made it with some friends during college it's an installation game but it's called Sir Stabity and you uh, it's just my friends and I sword fight like with nerf swords all the time for fun yeah and then we were like Ooh. for like a project we had to make an installation game we are like Whoa well, what if we just strap a tablet to your chest, make it a hitbox, and then you just get to sword fight? The That's only fantastic. thing is, like, there is a win condition. Of course. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, so, like, a lot of, like, my RPGs are also, like, I just wanted to do this. I want an excuse to get somebody to do something with me. Yeah. Uh, and what's the best excuse then to say, like, let's play a game together. Right? Yeah. That's <laughs> fantastic. So if people want to buy these games online, they want to see Sir Stabity, yeah. Where where can they find you on the internet and buy your games? Uh, well, basically everything I do is kind of under uh, Viditya Valetti. Uh, it's like V-I-D-I-T-Y-A, V-O-L-E-T-I. So that's either like just Viditya Valetti uh, itch.io. Uh, so all of my RPGs are on itch. That's kind of like the most active place that you'll find all my nice. work. And then that's also your Twitter handle. Yeah, it also is my Twitter handle, uh, which I talk about game design every once in a while. Fantastic. That stuff. That, yeah. That's amazing. And I'll put the links to all of this in the description for the, for the podcast in the show notes. Oh, yeah, thank you so Vidithi, much. Uh, thank you so much for spending 15 minutes with me to talk about your work no, at yeah. this very busy Big Bad Con. Uh, no, I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for Thank listening. you for being like fantastic and awesome and thoughtful and insightful. Uh, I, I, that's very nice of you. I also am just like, it's, it's so wonderful to be here because, uh, you know, like just, I mean, like Asians and stuff like that. It's like, it's, I'm like, oh shit. Like I have, sorry. I, there's like, that's no, okay. You can swear. Yeah. I have people like in this community that I can talk to that like know my experiences and understand like, yeah, who I am. like so, my, my people are here. This my, is, my this, this is the first con where I've seen so many Asians in one space oh. and it's so refreshing. And speaking of which, listeners, if you 
uh, have any questions about this episode's theme. I'm going to be at a lot of cons doing these con episodes, so please find me. We'll do a 15-minute interview. Uh, Viditya, thank you so much for you know agreeing to sit down, telling me about your wonderful games, and just sharing this moment with me. Uh, thank you so much for giving me this space. You're wonderful. Uh, you're wonderful. <laughs> My next guest is Akemi Manawa. Now, I met Akemi uh, in the lobby of the hotel in the Marriott in Walnut Creek. Akemi was a, you know, a, a visitor at the convention, but also a volunteer. And she said, hey, I've got some games. And I said, do you want to be on Asians Represent? And Akemi was, was taken aback. And it, it, it made me think how I need to make myself more approachable at conventions. If you've got if you're an Asian designer and you've got a project, no matter how big or how small, and you you'd like to use our platform, just say hi to me. I was very very visible big, big bad con this year because of my teal hair. Um but thankfully Akemi was um was willing to come on the show and talk about uh, Doomed Legion Games, the company that she's a part of, and two projects that they are currently working on. Well, one has been released called Hungry Hungry Hipsters. I felt personally attacked by that game, but that's okay. And another one called Buffet Masters. So please give it up for Akemi Manawa. You've got stuff here to, to show me, and I've got my incredibly gravelly voice because it's, what, day two of the con, and I'm already losing my voice. It's only day two. It's only day two. It's... it's Gonna, it's gonna suck. <laughs> so, so we we met, we met on Thursday. No, on Thursday or Wednesday. Uh, no, uh, no, yesterday. We met yesterday, Friday. And you were like one of the rangers here. You were making sure that the con's great, but then you told me that you're a designer. I'm actually not the designer, but uh, my friends and I run a uh, analog gaming company. Yeah. So you you are a designer then. You run a company, you're an entrepreneur in gaming, <laughs> you've got two products here, and you're not, are you playtesting them at the con? Uh, no, um, both of these uh, games, uh, Buffet Master and uh, Hungry Hungry Hipsters, uh, are available at least uh, online for sure, um, through our website, I believe you can also order through Amazon, or uh, bug your uh, local game store and uh, get them to uh, supply you. Get them to buy some. Okay, yeah. so okay, tell me, tell me about like, tell me about your journey in gaming. Like, so what led you to start this company? What led you to be involved in the production of these games? And like, what what brings you here to Big Bad Con? Because this is my first Big Bad Con, and it is honestly like a wonderful convention. I've never been to anything like this. It's incredibly safe. It's accessible. It's inclusive, but also that it's this is probably the most diverse convention I've ever been to. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. What, what is your story? Okay, so I've been uh, gaming uh, probably since high school, and definitely at the time there was like all of two Asians and my uh, gaming club friends, me and like my, my best friend. Right, right. <laughs> but, so like, I mean, and this is fun, we really love doing this, but there's just two of us, and... But like we've st- we've been able to stay stay friends with our gaming club from high school. For what is it? When did I graduate? Two thousand four. So we've been able to stay friends with them almost twenty years now. Right. <laughs> and 
So it's mostly been like not Asians, but that's um, that's usually how our gaming groups go. Are you from this area? Yeah, I'm uh, Bay Area local. <laughs> so when you say Bay Area, I'm oh my god, I'm I'm so I'm so not local. That's true. Um, the Bay Area is basically East San Francisco, Oakland, and then any, any suburbs kind of within, I think it's a 100-mile radius almost. <laughs> okay, okay. So so you're, you're local. Even though there's like a giant Asian community, your gaming group is mostly white? Yeah. Okay. Um, partially because of where the gaming group ca- uh, came from, there's certain parts of the Bay Area that, while the Bay Area as a whole is very diverse, there are certain cities that are very not, at least while I was growing up. Okay. They've become more diverse uh, since it since the years have gone by, but like when I was in high school, it was not, well, the friends that I ended up uh, gaming with came from a very white, non-diverse part of the Bay Area. Uh, okay. <laughs> huh, so, the, so you started gaming in high school, you had this big gaming group, and so what, what drove you to create games and be involved <laughs> in the creation of games? So... Again, we've always been playing various games, tabletop miniatures, um, miniature war games, board games, card games. So we run the whole gamut of like styles and varieties of gaming. And um, our first game was actually a miniature war game, uh, which a friend designed. It's kind of based off Waterworld. Okay, I like that already. <laughs> like you create rafts out of junk and then they run around a giant uh, table and battle each other trying to find treasures. <laughs> That's sweet. That's sweet. So, so he, it's like an artistic one. Well, he, he made the rule set as well as like designed the uh, rafts and then painted, uh, I think, pre-made minis for right. the, uh, specifically for the game. Oh, that's awesome. I don't remember how we got the name Doom Legion Games, but that's uh, how we... Well, we uh, that is our game company. And so you have two, two have things two here on the table. Yeah. So you have Hungry Hungry Hipsters and, and Buffet, Buffet Master. Master. Um, so Hungry Hungry Hipsters, that actually came to a friend of ours in a dream. <laughs> he was had this dream that, guys, I had this dream we were playing this game called Hungry Hungry Hipsters. And then we just took that idea, got some uh, index cards and ran with it and started putting it together as an actual game. <laughs> so it's designed where... Uh, there's two decks. One deck is food. The other deck is a bunch of modifiers. Um, so you can have things like waffles. Yeah, and then I, I've got like honey covered. I've got sustainable. And, and uh, let's see, honey covered I think is a plus two or, or plus three? Plus two, yeah. Plus two. So you obviously want to play the positive things on yourself, negative things on other people. So like deep fried is negative two. Factory produced is minus three. Okay. <laughs> but if it's ironically deep fried, then it is it's turned positive into a positive. positive. <laughs> oh my god. How quaint. Counters a card that... Okay. Sweet. It becomes plus two of also bitter. That, that's, this is cool. So you're, you're basically creating hipster dishes? Um... Yeah, I guess so. Like, the goal of the game is to eat the most pretentious foods, as in the food that has the most points. Right. The funniest thing about that is occasionally it's possible to win the game with negative points. How so? Um, because of the number of things you can put negative modifiers on or that can be negative. Oh, like, of course, to make them positive? Uh, not necessarily. It's just because, like, negative two is a higher score than negative five. 
Oh, of course. Because <laughs> you just ended up with so oh, many of negatives. Oh, of course. Right, right, right. <laughs> this is awesome. Also, um, most games go uh, play goes clockwise, so that we purposely have this one go play goes counterclockwise. Oh. <laughs> and starting hands are normally like five or you know seven. Yeah. Maybe three or something. Ours purposely has four because it's an uncommon number for starting hands. So you, you tried to go hipster with the entire we, game design the enti- as well. Yeah, the entire theme of the game is to be as hipster as possible. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> and how long? Because this copy is really beat up. You've been you've been using this one for a while. Oh yeah, that's that's a demo, like an early uh, demo copy. Yeah. And I think that we that was that was when we were still hand cutting uh, our cards with the die cutter. Oh, these are hand yeah. cut cards. Hand cut uh, decks, and you just. Sit there and uh, crank them out. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so you've got th- you've got this food game, Hungry Hungry Hipsters. Super cool concept. Um, I love it. First yeah, it's of all. designed for like really light play. Yeah, how like, long is a game? 15, 20 minutes or so. It's designed to be like fast pickup, learn easy, have fun, laugh around about various foods. <laughs> and then. How about Buffet Master? So that one uh, was... Because you've got two food games. Yeah, we have two food games, and it's (laughs) not intentional. But Buffet Master was uh, created when a couple of the guys... Well, one of the guys went to a a magic tournament in Vegas and was like, Hey, uh, anyone want to come with me and hang out in Vegas? (laughs) A normal thing to say, Well, because that way he's not spending the hotel just for himself. (laughs) And... And then, so a couple of them went with him and then went to a Vegas buffet and were trying to get the most value out of their food. Oh, so this is a game about getting the most value out of your, your meal? Uh, yeah. That, this, is, this, this game feels so profoundly Asian from my experiences. <laughs> like, yeah, thinking about it, that, that very much is. Like, like we go to like all-you-can-eat Japanese restaurants <laughs> with my family and my, my mom is like, Okay. We're getting all the seafood. We're getting all the seafood, <laughs> and we're getting no, no fake crab. We're getting the eel. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the most expensive. And at the end, it's just like, okay, how much have we eaten, and have we eaten, like, enough to make this worth it? If not, keep eating. And is, that, is that the concept of this one? Basically, yes. <laughs> like, you have to lay out your cards in a certain layout, and, um, like, it, it's... Uh, is that based on these icons here? Yeah. Yeah. Of how big of a uh, space it can take, and you want to maximize the uh, things that cost more, or they give you more points in that uh, space layout. Oh, okay, so you got a space out of like four cards. Is that how it's working? Um. Because these these are like card shapes of like two cards. Is that how it works? I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since yeah. I've actually played that. But this is um, when this, was when we actually got like professionally printed. Like yeah, you can kind can of tell. tell the difference between the uh, two decks because this is a much newer game. Obviously, the ones we have in stores with our uh, hipster game are like the much uh, higher quality now that we've got a, a bunch of them printed professionally. Right. <laughs> but like when we first started, it was we'd crank them out by hand and then, oh no, our local game store has just asked for 25 copies. <laughs> How do we <laughs> let's, do this? Let's have a punch party and uh, you know, get people together um, with like four die cutters and yeah. some paper cutters to uh, put them in so we can get them into the uh, the die machines. That's super cool. So h- how many games have you guys done? Um, we have those two. So Buffet Master, Hungry Hungry Hipsters. We have um, Raft Race, the um, miniature one. The war one. game, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, we have Raft Race, which is... It was originally designed as a board game of like college uh, raft, uh, rafting, kind of like Animal Lampoon style, uh, or Animal House movie style uh, thing. Right. Um, I think we've turned that into a card game, but I don't think we've marketed that it yet. Okay. And we have another one called Millennial Home Buyer in uh, Prototype. Millennial Home... Okay, so explain Millennial Home Buyer. Well, since there's this whole thing with Millennials can't buy houses because, yeah. you know, we eat too much avocado toast jokes yeah. and stuff, we built a couple of our friends actually managed to purchase a house cause, uh, uh, fairly recently. So, like, they turned that whole process and, like, all the, uh, the Millennial, like, stereotypes into a uh, game. Again, it's still in prototypes, so I've only played it maybe once, and it's probably changed since then. <laughs> right. So, so it's about millennials breaking the mold and, and buying, buying it's, a home. It's about yeah, being a millennial and trying to figure out how to make a house happen. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So, uh, so I'm seeing like a, like, a, like a thread in all of these games. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's got that, that hipster sort of culture. It's got that very millennial feel, but like getting value out of your buffet. That's a very Asian thing. But, but also, you know, trying to survive. And, and that's really cool. Yeah, we're basically building games off like, hey, are, are th these are our own life experiences. Yeah, of course. And then turning them into things that are playable and fun versus this is a, not a lot of fun to do. No, of course, of course. <laughs> Turning it into something playable, fun, and relatable. Yeah. Yeah. So w where can people find Hungry Hungry Hipsters Buffet Master if, if they aren't in the Bay Area? Um, go to our uh, website, doomedlegiongames.com. You can right. get uh, your copy of uh, Hungry Hungry Hipsters there and uh, Buffet Master. <laughs> right. So doomedlegiongames.com. Yes. And then where can people follow you on the internet? Because I think you need to have more t Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a Doom Legion Games uh, Twitter. Awesome. If you want to follow me, I'm uh, Ninja Penguin AM. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being on Asians Represent. I really appreciate it. I'm trying to do more of these short-form interviews because if I can do more short-form interviews, I can have more people on the show. And it's easy to put them in smaller segments. And uh, well, not just that. I think I think I it's it's an opportunity to interview more people <laughs> and you know have more voices on the show. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, by the way, my name's Akemi Maniwa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I was going to do that introduction, but perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just wanted to have more voices on the show. Like, it, normally, like, we're, we do, like, one to two hour episodes with, like, one or two designers a month. <laughs> but at conventions, if we can interview more people and do a shorter 15-minute format and, you know, talk about our, like, Hungry Hungry Hipsters, our Buffet Masters, <laughs> our Raft Game, which strongly appeals to me, by the way, um, <laughs> or Millennial Home Buyer, uh, you know, we could have more exposure for, for creators. We can have, you know, more voices telling their stories on our platform. And so like, I'm super grateful that you agreed to like get up early <laughs> on like the Saturday of a con to do this. And I'm so sorry I was late. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah. It was a great experience. But again, so it's doomedlegiongames.com. Yes. And uh, your Twitter is, once again, it's Ninja Penguin AM. AM. Um, so Ninja Penguin, and then, of course, your initials. Yes. <laughs> um, and then what's the Doom Legion Games social media? Um, I believe it's Doom Legion Games uh, on both Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter. Okay, sweet. <laughs> and I'll put the links for all of that uh, in the description for this episode, because this is going to be a massive 
Big Bad Con episode with all of our Big Bad Con interviews. <laughs> uh, Kemi, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Yeah. I, I like, really appreciate it. I hope your Big Bad Con goes great because so far mine has. Like, this, this is honestly, if we're going to talk about Big Bad Con and we can. I mean, might as well. It, this, and you're, you're like on the volunteer team here. Yeah, and this is my first time. Oh, really? Yeah. It was just, I've heard so much good things about the con that I was determined this year I'm actually going to be here and be a part of it. So, same thing here. I've been hearing about it for so long, and I never actually got to come out here. I was like, okay, I'm going to come out here, I'm going to go to Big Bad Con, but I'm not going to sign up for anything. And I'm only going to you know, meet new people, interview people. And what I've seen here has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't gone and played any games. I've played, like, two, and... And I feel like I learned a lot here at this con, even without actually participating in it all that much. Yeah. Like, I've met you. I've met all of these amazing people because this is probably the one of the most diverse cons I've been to. Same. And, and like, I live in the Bay Area where yeah, diversity is such a normal thing. And, and I lived in Toronto. Same sort of thing. And we have, we have a con in Toronto called Breakout Con, and it is fantastic and it's wonderful. And Breakout Con was, like, the standard that I hold to... All of the all of the smaller cons that aren't basically Gen Con, mm-hmm. and or like a PAX. There are things that have been done here at Big Bad Con that I'm going to take back home to Breakout Con, like the the way that the games on demand was run. That's such an amazing system of like, oh, you don't have a signed up game, so, uh, show up at these times and there will be a game for you. Like, yeah. I've never seen that another gaming convention. Or, or, like, or just like the, the fact that they have barriers with cloth walls to try to block sound between tables. Right. The fact that they have an accessibility table. With loaner items. So with loaner just... items to help you play with like foam dice so you don't have to deal with the noise. Mm-hmm. Grabbers so you don't have to reach out or if you cannot <laughs> reach out to grab dice. Magnifying glasses so you can actually see Card stands so cards. that you can not, uh, not have to try holding your, your cards. And exactly. It's so great to see all of this. And, and it's there, and it's free for everyone to use. <laughs> and I, I think that's what makes you know, this Big Bad Con like, incredible. The fact there's so much of an emphasis put on making sure that everyone here is able to participate. <laughs> like, you can have an inclusive space. You can, you can have this wonderful venue. You can invite all the right people. But... If the people you invited and if the guests at the con, if the either you know, the participants of the con, <laughs> can actually play games in a safe space with without these tools, you're only getting half of that. Right, but they've they've made such they make an effort to be accessible, and it's so wonderful. Yeah. Like, also, um, like one of the games I played, we were doing a city building, and the person running the game had the idea of a seaside town. My brain immediately went to Innsmouth, and then. And all the, all, everyone at the table was like, no, we're not doing cosmic horror. We're going to do, like, cosmic hope. I love that. So instead of having, uh, like, the, one of the things that came up was, instead of sirens being like, we're luring sailors to their death, right. we're luring them uh, through this channel because we're basically acting like lighthouses so that they can uh, not crash into uh, rocks. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> see, see, that's cool because... And it was just like, that was such an organic thing at the table that we're like, we all love this idea. And if, if, if you tried doing something like that at Gen Con, probably would not work. So you'd be like, that's not canon, that's not how it works. And I mean, that's the thing with, with like Cosmic Horror and Lovecraft is that it's so rooted in, in something that's not inclusive. It's so rooted in a mythos that is, was written by somebody who was so clearly a racist. Yes. Um, but for you to turn and that group to turn cosmic horror into cosmic hope, that that gives me hope. I mean, that's that gives me hope that like, you know, 
big bad con will grow and grow and grow, but stay just as inclusive and accessible, if not more. <laughs> like th this has been like a wonderful convention, and we didn't even lose power. Yeah, because there was supposed to be a power outage. Um, like for me, big bad con is becoming the standard. This this is got everything that I want. It's got all the people I want to see. It's got all the things I want to see at a table. And that the staff here are so well organized. Everything was so well done. And of course, thanks to you know DC and the Babylon Equity Project, we were able to bring out you know creators of color. Like I, I'm one of the people who was brought out because of that project. And this is this is just everything that I want in a con. So so once again, where can people find you on the internet and uh, Doomed Legion games? Uh, I'm uh, Ninja Penguin AM on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, I think on Instagram is why I'm all the same, but I don't really use that. Yeah, your Twitter's your game space. Yep, and uh, DoomLegionGames.com. <laughs> Sweet. And then I think Doom Legion Games on Twitter and Facebook, right? Yes. <laughs> all right. Akemi, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, I I needed to do a, uh, a big bad con debrief, even though we're still in the middle of the con. I needed to do a big bad con debrief so we can actually, you know, I flail actually, and be a, flail. This is so amazing. Yeah, flail is the perfect <laughs> word because we were both like, "It's so great." And I mean, th thank you so much for for having this moment of catharsis with me. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Asians Represent. So, as a roadmap for the coming months, we've got again Dungeons and Asians coming out on Halloween. Um, and of course, we have the first episode of 15-Minute Game Jam coming out in November. That being said, if you have any questions about the games discussed in this episode, the themes we've discussed, or any you know, questions about the creators that I interviewed, all of that will be available in the show notes at oneshotpodcast.com. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AZNSrepresent or via email at AZNSrepresent at oneshotpodcast.com. My name is Daniel Kwan, and you've just listened to Asians Represent. Asians Represent.